I'm Dr. Michelle Fowler, and this is Orbital Path, a show from PRX about the cosmos and our place in it. is a really unique place because we have this very large moon, very large compared to the size of our planet. And strangely enough, it is sometimes exactly the same size as the sun appears in the sky. Now, the orbit of the moon is not perfectly circular. Sometimes it's a little smaller than the sun, sometimes a little larger. But that means that there is a chance that the moon will exactly line up with the sun and cast a shadow, block all the sunlight out that's reaching a certain part of the Earth. And this is called a total eclipse of the sun. Total eclipses of the sun only last a couple of minutes. And people travel thousands of miles, spend thousands of dollars to try to get out to see them. Why would you go that far just to see the sky go dark for a couple of minutes? This episode, we talk with Mike Kentrinakis. I work at the American Astronomical Society as Solar Eclipse Project Manager for the 2017 eclipse coming next year on August 21st. Who might love eclipses more than anyone else I know. Absolutely. About the time he gained a bit of fame for being the happiest man on the planet. Look at this. Oh my God, it's coming. The moon's shadow is coming. This past March, Mike watched a solar eclipse from seat 6F of Alaska Airlines Flight 870, 37,000 feet above the Pacific Ocean, en route from Anchorage to Honolulu. Mike recorded a video that has been shared millions of times. Since we can't show it to you here, this is what it sounded like. Oh my God, it's coming right over us like a storm. Look at this. Oh my God, we're getting close. Getting close. No filter. Oh, I got Corona. There it is. Diamond Belly's beads. Belly's beads. Diamond ring. Look at that. Corona. Totality. Totality. Oh my God. Look at that. Totality. Oh my God. Look at those streamers. Look at the crumbs. It's all prominences. And the world appreciated his enthusiasm. Witnessing an eclipse is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. One Alaska Airlines flight got the view from 37,000 feet over the Pacific. Alaska Airlines flight 870 from Anchorage to Honolulu caught this glimpse. And the view you're about to see is even more exclusive. Mike Kentrianakis. Mike Kentrianakis. Yeah! The thing I love about the video, you know, is that you are you're just so full of joy. You're so full <laughs> yeah, of excitement. Yeah, you can, as, you can as, hear it in your voice. As one said, I was the happiest man in the world. I love that headline. <laughs> it's just, it's and and, and you would agree with that, right? You you, you think you at that point you were the happiest man in the world? That, you know what? I I don't think I could argue with that. <laughs> you know, I really I really might have been. Yeah, I was so taken aback with it. It was quite a feat, and that it went off flawlessly was amazing. So we, we know that during a total solar eclipse, the, the moon blocks the light of the sun. We actually move into the shadow of the moon. The Earth does. But, I mean, could you tell people, you know, in your opinion, why is it worth traveling thousands of miles just to see the sky go dark for a couple of minutes? Because there is no better, more awesome natural spectacle in existence than a total solar eclipse. During the video, I remember you used the term, it's like a tornado. Here comes a shadow, look at that. It's like a tornado. Oh my God, here we go. You sort of saw this column of darkness coming towards you. 
and the column seems to get sort of closer and closer. I remember you saying, it's like a tornado. Is, is, that, is that what you were describing? That's right. That's right. I have never seen anything like that before. There's no, no eclipse that I've seen where it looks like a tornado in the distance coming because it's not coming directly toward you. You can see the shadow coming from a distance maybe from, from the west, but you're not going to see it like that at a lower altitude on the ground. And I've seen many tornado videos, and you see the darkness from the, from, from the distance, and it's coming and getting bigger and bigger. So I'm saying it's like a tornado coming at us, but again, I know that we're safe. We're not going to be wiped out by this, but it does look like that. <laughs> it's just a, just a shadow, but it looks really dramatic. Yeah. So you actually discovered something that's uniquely beautiful about seeing an eclipse from a plane. Yes, yes, absolutely. Now, in the video, you use some other specialized terms. Diamond ring! Look at that! Corona! Totality! Totality! Oh my god! And uh, you were calling out things like, oh, you can see the corona. So, I mean, d describe what the, what is the corona? What were you looking at? Well, you're looking at the sun's outer atmosphere, which is not visible during the day because the photosphere is so bright. Uh, I'm not sure exactly, a million times brighter. And uh, that blinds the corona. That is there. You cannot see it. It takes the moon covering the sun in order to, for the weak uh, corona light to come through. The corona is equivalent to approximately a full moon's brightness. It's similar to darkness uh, 30 minutes prior to sunrise or 30 minutes past sunset. That's, that's, that's the average uh, light that there is during a total solar eclipse, but it, that is pretty dark. You know, you were calling out, this is a very romantic term, you're calling out diamond ring, diamond ring. What does it mean for a solar eclipse to see a diamond ring? Diamond ring. Well, it, it goes again to show how emotional, how impressive uh, an eclipse is that we come up with these terms and these adjectives and uh, ro romantic <laughs> is quite the word. When I first was interested in seeing an eclipse, I must have been 10 years old and I was reading textbooks after textbook on astronomy. And when I came across descriptions of a solar eclipse, I was reading that this is the most awesome s spectacle you will ever see. It is the, the most beautiful thing, wonder. All of a sudden, astronomers are using adjectives to describe a phenomenon. And I'm like, why are they using adjectives? Nowhere do they talk about, you know, beauty or uh, an art of, of an eclipse or the emotion. It was never described as such. And now all of a sudden, it's there. I'm reading this. What is this eclipse? I want to see this eclipse because the language in the textbook changed. It it was non-scientific. So, <laughs> yeah, so yes, yeah, that's what got me uh, to go see my first eclipse when I was 14 years old in 1979. There's so many things about an eclipse that become really visceral. I mean, we, you talked about seeing the extended corona of the sun. It's always there. It's just so much fainter than the surface of the sun. We don't see it. And when I saw my first eclipse and the entire surface was black because the moon's in front, you're in the shadow of the moon, I got this impression of a hole in the sky because you could see this bright area around it, but this black, black center. And it was like someone had just punched a hole in the sky. And the diamond ring happens when the last little bit of the sun is just going behind the moon. And the moon is not a perfect sphere. It's got mountains and valleys and, and hills on it. And so there are areas where the sunlight is still actually reaching you through a valley on the moon. You're, you're actually getting this effect because you're looking through the mountains and the valleys on the moon. And that's happening right in front of you. You don't need a telescope. You don't need binoculars. You know, this is all right there for you to look at in the sky.
wondering how to convince an airline to reschedule a flight so a few enthusiasts can enjoy a solar eclipse, here's the man who did it, Joe Rayo. He's a TV news meteorologist and guest lecturer at the Hayden Planetarium in New York. And it was Rayo who first approached Alaska Airlines, and he's actually done this before. In 1990, he convinced Transair to delay their flight between San Francisco and Hawaii so he knew it could be done. Last year, we flew over uh, Svalbard and the Fair Islands and saw a total eclipse of the sun. Afterwards, we came back and had like a little party, a celebration that what we had just seen. It was very spectacular. And a good friend of mine, Dr. Glenn Schneider, an astronomer at the uh, University of Arizona, he uh, you know, we were talking and he looked kind of like almost like down. And I said, why do you look so forlorn or whatever? He said, well, he says, next year's eclipse, this one that's coming, uh, that, that happened in March, was passing over Indonesia. But the weather prospects aren't all that great, and uh, I, I, I really think that uh, there's not much of a chance of seeing it, but we'll, I have to go anyway. So when I got home, a couple of days later, I started in looking around and seeing, because I, I knew that the, 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 the path of the total eclipse this year after passing across Indonesia, passed across a wide expanse of the Pacific Ocean. And I said, well, let's see. Let's see if anything can be done with this. And I noticed immediately that the path passed 700 miles north of Honolulu and that if you drew a line from Anchorage to Honolulu, you could conceivably intersect the shadow of the moon. And that's immediately I went on some of the websites, Travelocity and Expedia and, and, and others, to try to find a flight that might conceivably come close to the eclipse path. And I found Alaska Airlines Flight 870. And I said, my goodness, if you, 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 all we need to do is just delay this flight by about 25 minutes or thereabouts, and we could do the same thing that happened in 1990. So I immediately fired off an email, not just to the CEO of Alaska Airlines, but everybody at Alaska Airlines in the corporate uh, chain, and it turned out it wasn't the CEO who got back to me. It wasn't uh, anybody in the upper hierarchy. It was the uh, promotions department. And uh, it took the better part of the spring and summer. I kept badgering them. That's the key to this whole thing. In fact, I, ha I went on a cruise to Alaska with my family in August, and I was going to stop by through uh, Seattle. We were going to be in Seattle for a couple of days. And I actually told them, I said, look, I'm on my vacation. I'll stop by your office and talk with you directly. Uh, the 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 reasons why I think you really should do this, and uh, th that was one way I think I got off the cr across my point that I was really serious. I just never stopped, um, and I told them that the main thing I told the promotions department is if you do this, you're going to get publicity like you never got publicity before. Finally, in September, they said, "Okay, we're going to do it." March is when I hit them with my first email. September, they finally said, uh, "All right." I didn't hear from them for a long time afterwards. So in mid-October, I got back to my connection. They said, you know, I could write a flight plan for you. And he found that interesting. He said, all right, write the flight plan. I think I, it was almost as if, you know, he was, maybe he was calling my bluff. Maybe he didn't think I could write a flight plan. But my ace in the hole was Glenn Schneider, Dr. Schneider. He knocked out a 12-page flight plan with all sorts of technical data and information uh, over a weekend. The next thing I know, I'm, I get an email from the fleet captain of the 737 aircraft. He sent a carbon to the hierarchy at Alaska Airlines, and he said, I don't see why we can't do this. It works perfectly into our regular flight plan. If it's just a matter of delaying the flight by 25 minutes, I think it's worth a go. And, when, and that was the thing that got it. And that's pretty much, I think, 
what sealed the deal was uh, was our proposed flight plan and uh, got uh, this whole project off the ground. Coming up in August of 2017, August 21st to be exact, there's a wonderful rare occurrence. A total eclipse of the sun is going to cross the entire continental United States. Now, we've had a few total eclipses that went through parts of the United States, but we haven't had one that went from coast to coast since 1918. The shadow of the moon will actually start moving through the U.S. in Oregon around about 8 o'clock in the morning, and it will cross all the way to South Carolina before exiting. Now, Mike, you've seen 10 solar eclipses, and that means you've had to go pretty far out of your way to get to these things. You've been all around the world. What are some of the places that you've seen solar eclipses in? I've gone to Europe. Uh, off of uh, Cornwall, England, on a ship. I've gone to a small island in Greece called Castellarizo. I've been to Siberia, a city called Nova Zabirsk. I've been to Hangzhou, China. I've been to Cairns, Australia. I've been to Gabon, Africa. I've seen partial eclipses in South Africa. And uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. So this upcoming Great American Solar Eclipse, where do you plan to watch it from? That's the biggest secret of the century. Everyone is asking me. I won't say. <laughs> there are many, many great places to go. I mean, this, this eclipse crosses coast to coast from Oregon to South Carolina. And I drove the path twice. And there are just so many beautiful places. Uh, our country really is something to see. For where it crosses the Great Plains and the mountains and... Uh, the national parks, yes. Uh, uh, Painted Hills is so gorgeous right there. It's, it's going to be Painted Hills. It's going to be right in the foreground. And who knows how the light is going to change there. Oh, I think I, I think I found out where you're going. You're, you're going to Painted Hills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's one of many places, I, I got to say. Uh, the, the country is gorgeous. There are so many places. And, and Carbondale is beautiful. Uh, I never thought Southern Illinois would be so gorgeous. And not only did they... They, uh, you know, win the lotto by having an eclipse next year. They won the lotto by having the longest duration next year's for next year's eclipse. And they won the lotto by having a second one in 2024 on April 8th. They're getting it again. So that's like a triple jackpot for, for the carbon to southern Illinois region. So for all the people that are going to be seeing this eclipse in 2017, and there are going to be millions of people across the continental United States, what do they need to safely view this eclipse? They need safe solar eclipse filters. They're commonly called eclipse glasses, eclipse filters, but they allow you to safely view the sun anytime. They are ISO certified filters or glasses that can be purchased at Planetaria, can be purchased online. Uh, they'll be sold uh, at hardware stores and retail outlets all throughout the United States. Uh, they're ISO certified. That's important that it has that logo there. And these glasses are worn to view the sun. There is no feeling in the retina, so you, you want to look to see as it's getting slightly darker, but it's dangerous. It can actually burn your retina and cause a, a crescent burn. So you must have filters during any partial phase uh, of the eclipse. You 
know, when, when I was in Siberia and I was watching the uh, eclipse start to happen, I had this real feeling that I actually was on this little ball that was spinning around the sun. I mean, the, the Earth goes around the sun at about 30,000 miles an hour. And as this event unfolded in front of me and the stars came out during the day and I could see Venus and Mercury up there in the sky next to the sun, I had this feeling almost like a kind of a vertigo of motion that I really was on this little ball flying around the sun. And this is one of these rare events where you get a visceral connection to the larger universe. It, it's happening right in front of your eyes in real time. And I felt connected to space in a way I've never before. I mean, they, they really are addictive. And I have to say, if there's any way you can possibly do it, you just have to go. This mission to the stars has been commanded by Justin O'Neill, John Barth and Genevieve Sponsler co-pilot from the PRX Mothership. We are supported by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science, technology, and economic performance. More information at sloan.org. We have an archive of our podcasts available at orbital.prx.org. I'm Dr. Michelle Fowler, a little bit of dead stardust, signing off for now.